Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the podcast where a real statistics professor and the Chris Middleton to Alex Caruso, Jake. Gives you sports betting tips. I'm Professor Sides. You can follow me on Twitter at Professor Sides. You can follow my friend Jake on Twitter at my friend underscore Jake. Today's episode covers the basketball classic and NIT championship games to be played on March 31st. In case you're here, I'm about to mathematical model the predictions spread and total should be for every Division I college basketball game. And as I go through the plays, remember, there are no locks in gambling, so I will give you our loves, likes, and leans. With that in mind, please understand that good and bad variants will occur. So as much as I'd like to say the model will be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Uh, Jake, from our last episode, you went 3-1. and one. Well done, sir. And I got my A play from the last podcast. That makes six of the last seven, so something to like there all around. Before we get to, the, to tomorrow's slate, if you're watching this today, today is Wednesday, so tomorrow's slate, or if you're watching this on Thursday, today's slate, whatever day it is for you, right? Uh, reminder, please hit that like button if you're on YouTube, subscribe, or follow if you aren't yet. It's the only way to ensure you don't miss any of the college basketball, MLB, or college football content that this channel provides. Share with a friend if you know others in the game. Drop a comment on Twitter or YouTube. We love those and try to respond to as many as we can. Thursday night, the college basketball classic championship i guess it's the old cit but they like change the format up i don't know doesn't i don't know if anybody really knows and no one's been watching half these games i mean they're even the championship game on espn plus at the same time as the nit championship yeah, game poor scheduling I, I i'm a little surprised you you know you didn't put this on wednesday put it on friday put it on espn2 put it at, a little bit later I, something right yeah, and I, and how do they determine who who was getting home? Like, I, I don't, I haven't found that out. And I was like, Fresno State's got the better record and everything like that, but they're going to Coastal. I think they seeded them from the start, but they didn't seed them in a like bracket way, and yeah. so it's like the better seed gets to be home. But I'm not really sure. Um, Either and it's an interesting point, like you said, because Fresno State is a three-point road favorite, yes. uh, implying that eh, maybe we'll give home court three points, two and a half. It's hard to say, but either way, that would imply alone that Fresno State's you know a five to six, maybe six and a half points better than Coastal. So if they really seeded Coastal ahead of Fresno, then that was a miss on their part for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but Coastal, uh, Coastal getting the home game after winning their Sun Belt rematch. But again, a three-point dog here to Fresno State. Total of 126. Uh, my model makes Fresno a 2.2 point favorite. Um, total of 128.3. I'm going to take over 126 as a B play. I don't know what Fresno is trying to do. They, <laughs> up and down the court, two games in a row, then really slowing it down. Just using my normal methodologies. I'm not tweaking anything. I'm just normal like I do for every game. I think the number's too low. Um, but really my analysis on this is no different than the other Fresno games. I mean, if they decide to play fast, it's going to be an easy winner. If they play slow, we still have a chance. It's not as ideal. And the reason I say that is even the last game, Fresno really slowed it down. They got to 67 points and the second half kind of got sleepy. If they score 67 at, at Coastal, we got it. We got a chance to get over on this one. And so I think there's. I think the over is the right play. It's only a B pick, not an A play, because of the fact that I just, if Fresno really slows it down, we're more like 35, 40% likely to win this. And if they go fast, we're, you know, 80, 90% likely to win this. So overall, I think it's smart, but I would not recommend going too heavy on this one just because if they go slow, it's, 
it's more likely to lose than win, even though we still have a chance at it. Uh, I trust Coastal won't go. It won't shoot as bad as Southern Utah did. Southern Utah went four of 20 from three in that last game. They shot 31% from the floor. Coastal is much better than Southern Utah. Fresno's defense is solid, but they're not San Diego State. Like that's not a just their defense always forces teams to go four from 20. So I think that Coastal will score more than Southern Utah, and that's going to give us a good shot at this over. Coastal should at least be able to hang in there. The only question is, can they hang in there and make it a one-possession game? Do they have a chance to win, that sort of thing? But they shouldn't get blown out like Southern Utah did. Coastal's a much better team, and that Coastal gives them a, uh, the advantage there. Uh, Jake, with regards to the side, I mean, like I said, that's the question. Does Fresno, are they able to pull away late? Are they able to win by five or six? Or can Coastal hang in there, make this a game, and maybe pull the upset at home to win a trophy? Yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what Fresno's doing, but I like it. Um, I think they're. my opinion is they're playing matchups, and this is the, a really good matchup for them. Their best player, Orlando Robinson, is seven foot. Um, Deshaun Thomas is Coastal Carolina's biggest guy, and he pl- at 6'10", and he plays a whopping 1.2 minutes on the year. Said a lot. Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do because their next guy is like 6'9". It's oh, wow. 6'7". So, it, I mean, we've talked about Orlando Robinson before. He's a great player, averaging almost 20 a game. I think he is going to eat a lot tonight. I, I don't think Coastal Carolina has got the pressure-type defense to keep him from getting the ball. Um, and then it's a rebounding edge, too. So, I, I just – I think he is enough. I think, they, I think Fresno State – gets closer to 10 on this, wins it closer to 10, just because when it gets close, and I think it'll be a tight game, then all of a sudden at the end, maybe like the last four or three minutes, uh, it might, this is what I would do if I was Fresno's coaches. I'm spreading it out. I'm going to isolate Robinson on one post or the other, which I wanna, whichever one's his favorite, get him the ball and let him work. So I'm going to eat the clock, give me an easy layup, hopefully two, get him fouled, hit free throws, and – go home happy with whatever they're calling this trophy. Um, but, I mean, Coastal Carolina is a very good team. Don't get wrong. They play really good defense. I just don't think they've got the style of defense to keep him, keep him from getting the ball. And that's where the whole whole game will pivot on. All right. And then the other game here, the NIT title game, again, at Madison Square Garden for – the last time, at least for a while, uh, Xavier and Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a five-point favorite with a total of 138. The model makes the total 138.3. And from the total, this is a confusing one for me. A&M's defense is playing really well. Xavier, though, has been getting up and down and playing a lot more offensively-minded. Their offensive metrics continue to tick upwards. Their defensive metrics tick downwards here, uh, mainly because they're they're focusing so much on the offense side of the ball. So the totals are really confusing one for me on this one. I don't really have an edge, and I can't really look at anything and say, based off of XYZ, I think over or under. I think it's a pretty good number. And again, always like we talk about, you're, you're playing teams and numbers. It's not one or the other, right? And this number seems pretty spot on. Instead, I've got an A play for you on the side here. I'm taking Xavier plus five. The model thinks it should be A&M by about two. We got an A winner on the Aggies last game. I talked about how good they've been, and and that's none of that's wrong. And they, and they looked great against Washington State. Um, quietly, though, Xavier, with a new man leading the ship, has also been extremely good in the NIT. They destroyed a Florida team that's not drastically different from the Aggies. They beat Vanderbilt, who's not drastically different from the Aggies. They looked impressive against the Bonnies team. Watching that game, the Bonnies make runs, and 
every time St. Bonaventure put together a little run, Xavier came back and made a run of their own. I mean, they really impressed me the way that they never really let St. Bonaventure back in that game. Every time it got close, Xavier um, stretched it out again. My thought on this is, like I said, we're playing teams and numbers. The spread is just too high because it's, again, not wrong that a has been fantastic lately. Unfortunately for Xavier, they can't go back and make a coaching change a month earlier. If they if they did, I wonder if we'd have the same narrative on both teams about how well they've been playing over the last month or two, aside from the fact that Xavier would have made the tournament if that had happened, because that's the, the situation they were set up for. I think early season Xavier makes the tournament, but the late season killed them. Late season A&M makes the tournament, but early season kills them. So, I mean, I think it's pretty similar. And I think it's easy to point out how Texas A&M has got it turned around and fixed themselves. But I think with the new coach, you can say the same for Xavier. Should be a tight game. I still think the Aggies should be favored. I still have A&M minus two. I just think five points is way too many. I think there's a lot of value on this play. Either team winning would not surprise me. Jake, what do you got? Yeah, see, I'm on the opposite end of you. I, I think this Texas A&M team has really got it going. I, I think, like, over the last almost month now, um, nobody is – they've let in over 65 points once in the overtime game with Florida. Um, but, and, like, if you feel like past that, it took another three games for somebody, like, scored over 65. And even the one time that they did let in 65 here in the last month, it was at a loss to Tennessee. But – this is just that defense is playing extremely well. They're extremely physical. Um, Quentin Jackson is, I think he's playing his way into the league the way he's going right now and showing off some of the fancy skills he's got. And Henry Coleman looks like the guy uh, Duke thought he would be last year. He's playing very well. Um, if they get When they get help off their bench, they're really hard to beat. They play a really tough physical style of defense. They've got big guys to battle. Um, like athletic big guys that could stay with Nunji and Fremantle. And I just don't know that this Xavier team's deep enough to handle that. Cause I think with how physical this game will end up, I think some, somebody on either, on either side is bound for foul trouble. And I think that hurts Xavier more than it hurts A&M. Um, Cause a and used to it. And where Xavier, I think if you take a piece out of the way they're playing their offense right now is it's going to hurt more than if you take a piece out of uh Texas A&M's offense, and if I just I don't see the guard play being there for Xavier to keep up. I, I, I really think A&M is going to take this and cover it. I think it'll stay around ten, just because A&M's offense isn't that prolific. Um, but it's going to feel worse than what it what the score says. It's going to be an interesting matchup, just kind of like I said from the top, right? The clash of styles, and you talked about AM defense been playing really well, driving games under, really holding teams down. Xavier going the exact opposite direction. A lot's going to be about who can kind of impose their will on the other team. And both teams are are really good. And like I said, it's, it's hard to really say, in my opinion, that one's talent-wise drastically different than the other. And so it's not like one of those situations where you say one team's got the talent, they should be able to play their style of game. And that's going to you know, be what a lot of it comes down to is who kind of gets to play more the way they want to play. If it's an ugly in the mud game, it's obviously advantage a If it's a little more up-tempo, that's advantage Xavier because they won't be able to keep up with them. And so that should be something that's fascinating to watch. Um, I think the interesting other thing here to talk about is just the coaches. I usually am a, a proponent of coaches don't mean that much. Coaches get too much credit when things go well and not an, and too much uh, angst when they don't go well in general. But the reason that the narratives happen is because there are some situations where they actually seem to matter a lot. And this is one of those situations where 
for some reason, just the change in philosophy, the change at the at the top has really helped Xavier get back to what they were doing really well. And so I just I think that's an interesting side note that a lot of times, you know, you change coaches and it means not a whole lot of anything. But in this case, it really has. Like I said, you wonder if if Xavier had a different coach where they would be because they looked fantastic early in the season before things just absolutely collapsed. Um, it, it, it potentially points to good things for them next year. Um, especially if they can keep some of this, uh, some of this talent that they have and not lose them to the transfer portal. Yeah. You, you wonder if uh, still lost the locker room at some point, like if he was too much holding on to what the old Xavier rough and tough teams used to be, instead of letting this team be a little more free flowing. It's very possible. Like, I don't know. Like I don't know what happened in the middle of the year, but it was like something obviously went wrong. And I, I don't know if it was how he was communicating, how he was practicing, or what didn't jive with the team. But all of a sudden, it was like no good. Yeah, yeah, definitely a, a, a tale of three seasons now for Xavier, all crammed into one season. Uh, as someone who's who's played some sports, I've I've had a season or two like that myself, and it's uh, it's a roller coaster when you have that. It's it's hard to deal with. So credit to those players for coming back and playing hard now uh, here at the end and uh, forty minutes away from a title. Uh, like we're talking about, it should be a, a really interesting matchup. Uh, once this one finishes up, we just have three more to go. We will break down those two final four matchups for you tomorrow. And so that's all we have for you today. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picks with the Professor. Reminder, check out the Google Sheet for full predictions. Uh, you can find that link on the website. That's www.pickswiththeprofessor.com. If you haven't done so yet, click that subscribe button to ensure all the sports betting content we provide is dropped right into your feed. We will see you tomorrow. Until then, remember, you can eat your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money.